This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to this week's free episode. Our second episode each week is exclusively for Slate Plus members. You can sign up for Slate Plus for just $1 for your first month. You'll get every How to Do It podcast without ads. Plus, you'll be able to read every single advice column on Slate with no monthly limits. Join now at slate.com slash HTDI plus. That's slate.com slash HTDI plus. This podcast contains graphic, explicit, and even sometimes a little bit vulgar discussions of sexuality. Hi, I'm Rich Juswiak, and I'm a writer. And I'm Stoya, a writer and pornographer. And we're the authors of How to Do It, Slate's sex advice column. This is our new podcast where we answer brand new letters about all your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex or trying to have sex or not wanting to have sex. We're here to help. Yeah, so um, sometimes I take questions very personally. Yes, I thought you might. Oh, there was the time with the person who'd started dating a smoker and then was like, I can smell the nicotine coming out of her pores. (laughs) There was one that was really casually anti-porn. It was very, do you happen to know whom you have commenced writing to? Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Not Stoya the Nun. (laughs) Like, are you you trolling? Like, I don't know how to take this. Right, are you just doing this to be rude since you know which eyes it's going to go in front of? I mean, there's, I always have that paranoia. Like, are people out to get me? Are you just trying to, like, ruin my day? Because it seems sometimes on the internet, like, people are just trying to ruin your day. I don't know. Anyway, now that our listeners are so incredibly curious about what this question might possibly be. Yeah, your hackles are raised going into this and mine are for you as well. (laughs) So here's the question. Dear How to Do It, I always thought I was pro-sex work. I told myself it doesn't matter how people make money. It's real and valuable work and it's one of the world's oldest professions, etc. And I always defended the profession when I heard people denigrate it. Even though I personally would never be a sex worker, I always thought I was an ally. But then some of my friends started doing OnlyFans and Snapchat Premium, and even some actual porn. I can't put my finger on why, but I find it really upsetting. These were women who were in med school, law school, the arts, and other professional pursuits. And then they gave it up, or postponed to post naked pictures of themselves online. I hate to admit it, but I realized that in my mind, sex workers were less intelligent than, say, doctors or lawyers. And I didn't mind if random strangers did sex work, because they probably didn't have much going for them. I know that's a horrible thought, and I hate even thinking it. How do I get over this prejudice and stop judging my friends? Signed, Judge and Jury. All right, so there's internalized whorephobia all over this message. You know, 
Even though I personally would never be a sex worker. Right. Like Needless information. But also like the phrasing of it. Sure. Right? Like I don't have the body confidence to be a sex worker. Right. I don't have the interest in sex required to do it all day professionally. Yes. There are so many ways that one could say it's not for me. Right. In a way that isn't weird. Yeah, and just like inherently judgmental and like they're over there and I'm over here in a fundamental kind of way. Well, it's internalized horophobia. Yeah. And they realize it. They're here. They've come to us. Yes. They've right. come to a homosexual man yes. who's very open about the amount of hookups right. that he engages in yes. and an actual sex worker yes. to say, hey, I've got this problem in my brain. What do I do? So like, great. First step done. Awesome. Also, well done for bringing it to us where it's actually our job yeah. instead of asking your sex worker friends yes. to do the labor. Right. That's like 201 level. Yeah. I regularly try to talk people out of sex work. Partially, that's because what Cinnamon Love recently described as occupational discrimination mm. is a real thing. Once you have done sex work, if there's any public record of it, there's a risk that your future employers will find out about it, then end your employment. Right. And sex workers are not a protected class. So we don't have the same recourse that an LGBT person or a person of color or an elderly person has. There's also a ton of stuff that goes into it that you don't really understand until you're there. Like how you regard your clients where it's like the whole you're paying me to do this, but I'm pretending like you're not. And I can't mention that those mental gymnastics that go into and I'm talking specifically about sex work, like escorting or the actual spending of time with people. Yeah. That whole thing is such a minefield and it's so difficult psychologically. And I really don't think that you can understand what that is until you've experienced it. Yeah. You know, it's much less immediate and complex and you can always just turn your computer off. But the chat interactions that I have yeah. on fan sites and the occasional one to one cam show, people share things that they don't feel comfortable sharing with a therapist. Right. I've actually taken professional development stuff meant for sex counselors and therapists to help me figure out what to do yeah. when someone drops something really heavy into my lap, like kind of out of nowhere. So actually, for a sex worker who's interacting with people as part of their work, med school is probably a great background. Yeah, I'm thinking of Jet Setting Jasmine who has a background in psychology and she seems to have a much easier time handling the heavy stuff right. <laughs> that people share about their sexuality because she has the training. And also just besides that interaction person to person, if you're going to be good at that job, you have to have some degree of emotional intelligence, which is not taught in schools. There's no test for it. It's totally underrated in terms of how it informs someone's intellect. So for you to say, oh, you're a sex worker, you're dumber than a doctor on what scale? 
You're not even taking into consideration the manifestations of human intelligence and what that actually means. Yeah, and so, you know, OnlyFans and Snapchat Premium, you have to be so organized. Right. Right. I have a spreadsheet with multiple tabs that tracks all of the content that's been shot. It's color coded and has fields that track when it gets posted. Yeah. Then I have a tab that tracks custom requests. Yes. And I have to have permissions from the photographer. Right. I have to have paperwork that allows me to use the photos. I book locations. I book makeup. You know, I coordinate everything. And that's that's a task. Of course. But and also I just find it a little bit strange, especially coming into this column, to be speaking to you directly to the person who's taken this sort of type of career path where it's like I do sex work. But I also flex my intellect on the regular. And there are plenty of people who do this like Rachel Robert White and Ty Mitchell and Dale Cooper, you know. Connor Habib. Connor Habib. Sovereign Sire, Lorelai Lee. Annie Sprinkle. Nina Hartley, Anna Sprinkle. Brick House. <laughs> like, we can go on. It's like kind of willfully ignorant to say, oh, well, sex workers aren't intellectuals or intelligent. Whatever. Like, I mean, sex workers come in all stripes. Clearly, take a look around. The thing is, though, like these women who are writer is judging for giving up or postponing these respectable careers, they actually might have harmed their professional prospects. Yeah. So that's something that our writer can acknowledge as a valid concern. Yes. Then they can deal with all of their feelings, like how much is fear for their futures, how much is judgment, how much is jealousy, because they'd like to have Louboutins fall out of the sky. That's not actually what happens at all. But people like build up this idea that it's like, you're like here's my boobs, Internet. Right. And you just all of a sudden have like a yacht. Right. Um, <laughs> If only it were that easy. Oh, gosh. Again, like, because they probably didn't have much going for them, so the the probably there is sort of offensive. But another reality that's kind of complicated is some people don't have much going for them. Yeah. And what they do have going for them is that they are very attractive right. to a lot of people. Yes. And they maximize that. And that's valid. I am specifically thinking of people who have autoimmune disorders Mm. and never know how much they're going to be able to do on a given day, but they're really hot. And so the ability to set their own hours and work when they can and take time off when they need to enables them to survive without governmental or familial support. It seems like our writer just needs to read a little bit more to expand their idea of what all this is. Start there. I mean, I I hope that this conversation and all of the things that Stoya has shed light on that show it's not this black and white sort of issue are useful. Follow some sex workers on Twitter. Read their writing. Start with the list of people that we named in this episode. Yeah. And just expand your mind. That's what we're put on this earth to do, literally, plain and simply. Yeah. 
that was uh, way less emotionally difficult for me than I worried it was going to be. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. I, I wondered what it would be like <laughs> when I read it, but I was prepared for anything. <laughs> like, is it PMS week? I have notoriously bad medical grade PMS. Um, I'm not implying that all women are nuts. No, I, no, I'm not saying at all. I personally am really sensitive. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Anyway, let's move on to the next question, let's which is it. not about periods at all whatsoever. Great. Dear How to Do It, one of the first few times I had sex with my current partner, he called out the wrong name. He quickly apologized and assured me sex was way better with me than it ever was with her. I cut him some slack because it was the name of a recent ex and these things happen. The thing is, we've been together for over a year now and having regular sex and he has yet to call out my name. For the record, he is one of the more vocal lovers I've been with. God gets a lot of shout outs, but not me. Is that weird? Signed, not her. It's definitely fishy. I think I know exactly what happened and it's completely innocent. Oh, okay. I think this partner called out the wrong name early on and uh. felt mortified yes and has ever since having no names policy i once called someone the wrong name in college and now i'm terrified of saying people's names unless i know it for absolute certain no, same there are those people that are in the gray area of like i met you a few times and i'm like am i positive that's really your name because yeah. it was so mortifying that's a great call i will look up someone's name or like ask someone like I'm not exactly sure totally name is or like if it's during sex, <laughs> it's only with people that I've known for a long time and yes. I'm sure I know their name. And then I rehearse it like yeah. three times before I say it. Yes. <laughs> like just before I'm like, okay, do we have the pronunciation right? Totally. It's really nerve wracking. Yes. I have experienced this before and it's only like probably like once or twice. And it was with a not even casual thing with like a one or two time thing. I did find it offensive and I also did find it to be in line with this person's general self-absorption mm. that I discerned in the very brief time that we spent together. He was like a bit younger than me, too old to be acting like that. But he expected me to pay for everything. And okay. it was just like, what? Like, yeah. and you called me the wrong name? Get out of here. Yeah. And like when you make a mistake that's that potentially upsetting. Yeah or dismissive, yeah. then you definitely pay for dinner that night. It, totally. He was never going to do that hmm. and was very eager to hang out after. And I felt like it was only because I had paid for dinner once. Anyway, that's the kind of person you cut out. Uh, this is somebody who they've been with for a year. I don't know. I think you nailed it. And I'm always like a little skeptical when I'm like, it's this. Yeah. But in this case, I really think that's what happened. I don't think there's anything nefarious going on here. Yeah. And I think this can easily be solved with like it could be anything from I wrote into how to do it. Yeah. And Stoya is like 100 percent certain <laughs> that this is what's going on. Is she right? Right. Through to like 
So um, you never call my name when we're having sex. And I'm wondering if that's just not a thing you do. Because it does seem a little bit strange if he tees out the logic to say, okay, well, he called out her name because that sex was so good. And he has this scale of like names I don't call out to names I do, depending on the quality of the sex. And I just don't think he's that organized. (laughs) I don't think so. That seems impossible. I don't think so. So you're probably fine. Not weird at all. Okay, that's it for now, but we're not done this week. On this week's second episode, exclusively for Slate Plus members, a letter writer wonders if roaching is really so bad. So if roaching is a thing, then socially, sexually active gay men in New York are a fucking nest of roaches, which is not the worst metaphor at times, but still... (laughs) is overall pretty offensive to me. We're legion and we love to snuggle. We'll sort that out and explain what it is in tomorrow's episode. To hear it, sign up for Slate Plus for just $1 at slate.com slash HTDI plus. That's slate.com slash HTDI plus. If you're in need of sex advice from Rich and me, you can write to how to do it at slate.com slash how to do it. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025, and we may use it on the show. That's 347-640-4025 and slate.com slash how to do it. Remember, this is anonymous and nothing is too small or embarrassing. Our show is produced by Chow Tu. How to do its editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.